0: Igniting innovation. That's the push Lockheed Martin's making with its new Ignite unit. A Skunkworks-like team tasked with rapidly realizing new space technologies.
1: Well we've got several missions that we do for the for the government. Uh, we have several partners that we work with. But what they're looking for is they're looking for us to be innovative um, because of the threat vector that's out there. Uh, they're looking for us to go fast, faster than we may have been in the past. Um, and really how do we transform ourselves? after six decades of operating a certain way.
0: Ignite is the brainchild of Robert Lightfoot, the executive vice president of Lockheed Martin Space and a former acting administrator of NASA. He oversees the entire space portfolio for the top weapons maker, a more than $11 billion business last year that continues to grow, with sales jumping 16% last quarter, contributing to an earnings beat. I spoke with Lightfoot at the Space Symposium, a big industry conference where Lockheed announced the successful demonstration of its new tech to service satellites on orbit. On this episode, we discuss Ignite, as well as the company's big bet on the moon. I'm Morgan Brennan and this is Manifest Space. Robert Lightfoot of Lockheed Martin, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Glad thrilled to, be here, to speak with you. So we're here at the Space Symposium, one of the biggest space conferences of the year. Um your message or what you're planning to share about Lockheed Martin specifically here at this event?
1: Yeah, for Lockheed Martin Space, it's pretty simple for us. It's about innovation, speed, and transformation. I mean, it's, it's that simple. We've got several missions that we do for the, for the government. Uh, we have several partners that we work with, but what they're looking for is they're looking for us to be innovative um, because of the threat vector that's out there. Uh, they're looking for us to go fast, faster than we may have in the past, um, and really, how do we transform ourselves after six decades of operating a certain way into this into this new operating model that, that our customers are really demanding us to be.
0: So how do you do that?
1: Well, it's pretty simple. For, well, not simple. Maybe I should say it's, it's a pretty uh, interesting process. You, you deal with, uh, for us, it's, it's technology demonstrations and pathfinders. is one of our major things. We had, we've set up an innovation cell that we call Ignite. It's our rapid capabilities organization, uh, specifically to go fast, change the dynamic, the way we're looking at things. From that organization, we'll deliver technology demonstrations and prototypes, and even some pathfinders um, that we'll talk about this week while we're here. That, that allow us to demonstrate to the customer a certain technical maturity that they don't have to necessarily pay for. We we, we get to a certain point, and then when we offer it to them, it's already they don't, they don't have to buy the risk. We've brought the risk down, and from that standpoint. So, and we do it fast. We've got you know small teams that are I uh, would just say. Uh, very innovative, uh, very agile, and they're bringing the stuff to bear, again, in a Pathfinder way, so that when it becomes a program of record in the future, which is the larger mission, um, we've already retired a lot of the risks that they may have, that we may have had in the past.
0: So when we talk about doing it fast, and I realize every project is going to be a mm-hmm. little bit different, but, but, but how fast?
1: Well, it depends. Um, it depends on what, what risk posture we're willing to accept. right? There's, a, there's several of the missions that we do where the risk posture really doesn't accept a fact you know, we want to be right. Um, and, and again, depending on what we're, what that mission is, if you think about some of the missions we do for national security space, they gotta be right. Mm. There's some others where we can demonstrate some technology, get it on orbit fast, so that we can see, okay, how's it gonna operate uh, in that regime, and then bring it back, learn from that, bring it back and place it into the next mission set coming forward, so it really depends. Uh, an, an example, we went from, uh, 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 authority to proceed to available for launch in about two years on a satellite bus. It used to take us about five. Wow. So, so it's, a, it's a good example of how our teams have thought a little differently than normal. Um, now, we'll fly it, we'll see. There's always, we, we obviously uh, did some things differently and we'll see how many of those things we can bring back into the into the total picture the total enterprise as we go forward
0: and of course ignite is something that i think you had been testing for mm-hmm. a number of months and then you stood up in a more meaningful way Correct. actually just recently right in the last couple of weeks
1: yeah last last couple of months we rolled it out okay. um, it's it's really our our innovation so we, what we had ha- what we found morgan was we had several innovation pockets of innovation in the organization and it became important to bring them all together so they could they could even learn from each other and now we have a debate or discussion inside the inside the company. We'll say, okay, does that belong in ignite? And so we, we, all, we make a very conscious decision to put it over there and let that team go um, with the processes they've put in place. So pretty pretty excited about what it's doing for us. I think.
0: Mm. Uh, how does it speak to I guess this uh, burgeoning commercial space economy that we're seeing really take root in a meaningful way now?
1: Well, I think I think part of that is is a. Uh, it has enabled this this thinking, this way of thinking, um, the commercial space. And our, our workforce is looking for this. Our workforce really wants that opportunity. You, know, you can come in and work on a program that's been decades in place. Think GPS, think the GPS system. We build the GPS system uh, today. That's a decades-long program. It's gonna be a decades-long program. We, we do innovation there. The customer allows us to do some innovation. But some of our workforce really wants to work on the the real leading edge activities. What can they go do to to uh, to move us forward in some other areas? So some of our workforce is coming in demanding, hey, I want to be in this innovation cell and want to go do that. So, so I think that's the kind of the 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 spur or the ignition, no plan intended, that allows <laughs> us to, that allows us to go to go do these things is the workforce wants to do it. We need to do it. Um, and the customers demand in that speed and that and really that retiring the technical risk, get to your technical maturity faster.
0: Hmm. I guess where do you see the biggest opportunities? We've got these buckets of military space, civil mm-hmm. space, and then, and then commercial space, and I realize that the relationship between all three is maybe uh, becoming, becoming more amorphous, if you will. So, so, so what do some of those future opportunities look like in terms of the Lockheed portfolio? And I know you got a lot going on. Oh,
1: yeah. I, th- I think the, the, for us, it's, it's just making sure we're following along with our customers what the threat space is. Threats are changing. And that's what causes the opportunities to change. I mean, we're 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 putting together systems that we probably didn't even think about doing five years ago, because of the threat space and the. What are some that, examples? So, well, the, think about this SDA transport layer. That's an example of putting a proliferated um, set of uh, satellites in low Earth orbit that allows us to, you know, monitor from low Earth orbit where we haven't before. That system provides resiliency. Um, it wasn't even. In it wasn't even a thought five years ago. Um, we used to build the bespoke systems, and we still do, the bespoke systems that, that national security needs. So our change is doing, being able to do all of those. How do, we, how do we build these architectures, these, these what I'll call hybrid architectures where you're in low-earth orbit, you're in medium-earth orbit, and you're in geo. And then our team even does stuff around the moon. So, so we've got all the, no pun intended, we've got all the space covered, um, <laughs> and it allows us to actually we just have to make sure we're thinking and they have to be interoperable. Our, our big thing is to make it interoperable. You want these all talking to each other. If you build them in a, in a stovepipe, you're not thinking that. And so that's one of the big things we're working on is the interoperability between all of these systems and what we may be able to do with them.
0: Mm. Um, The moon piece of the puzzle, Mm -hmm. Uh, Lockheed's been really uh, doubling down on lunar Mm -hmm. lunar activity, lunar investment, lunar possibilities, even stood up a subsidiary recently, Mm -hmm. Crescent. I I guess walk me through how big those possibilities are.
1: Well, I think they're, we think they're very big, right? We'd love to be your, your architecture or your infrastructure on the moon. Think about power, think about communications. Think about all the things you're going to need if we actually, when we actually establish a presence on the moon, a permanent presence. Um, our experience in the background we have allows us first to start with communications. That's what Crescent's doing with Parsec. Uh, super excited about that. It's a new model, a new business model for us as a corporation um, and we're really excited about what it could do. If we can build the comms, then you build the power, then you build the, all the effort, other things you would need on the moon. First, the, the better thing about it is, it's even transportable to Mars if we go that way, right? So you've hmm. got to take these systems, and you can slowly become the infrastructure folks. You know, we need power here. We need, we need uh, water. We need all the things we can do. And so, if we can, if we can get, um, on the ground level of infrastructure, that's that's something we think. And we want to sell it as a service. We don't want to, you know, this is part of our part of our other way of thinking. New business models is, how can you sell that as a service? Not make you, know, let's put the let's put the communication birds up, and you pay by pay by the day, pay by the hour for using the communications from there.
0: Which I think is really fascinating. It sort of speaks to uh, this, this newer business model that's been mm-hmm. more meaningfully adapted in recent years at, at NASA for example, where I know you were the acting administrator, yep. so I'm sure you have some insights on, on both sides uh, where this is concerned. Um, but this idea of it, getting away from cost plus contracts mm-hmm. and getting more towards putting in that initial investment as a company and then as you said, offering, offering as a service. What does that mean in terms of the, the future business model?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a little of both, right? I think we're going to be in a hybrid model for a long time, especially when it comes to space. As, as capabilities become more, I'll just say, commoditized, it's hard to say that about space. For somebody who has been in space my whole career, I can't imagine something being, quote, commoditized in space. However, we're getting to that point. Hmm. Think about what launches happen. Think about now some of the, some of the satellites. You can buy you can, you can buy your data from the satellites. That's just gonna keep going. But we're still gonna have the need for the bespoke systems that really, uh, think about a James Webb, think about a, uh, the, the, where we, you know, Joaquin Martin built the near-cam for James Webb. That's a bespoke system. That's not a, you're, you're gonna sell that as a service necessarily, at least not yeah. today. But you could get to a point where earth science data, where data for the moon could become data that you buy as a service if you're actually using, if you're actually there and need that kind of data. So I think it's gonna be a hybrid for a little bit of time. Um, but I, I do believe the, the as a service model has really changed and opened up um, in the last decade. And you know, like like you said, when I was at NASA, we started kind of kind of started this with cargo to the space station as, as the kind of the first one out the gate. Um, and there's ways to do it. I think that the if you look at the U.S. government it, it, in all their sectors, are starting to look at that as a good opportunity, a good way to get skin in the game from industry, but also it, it solves a lot of their problems that they may have uh, up front. So. yeah
0: and, and i imagine it would lower the costs for taxpayers as well at a time where something like mm-hmm. the budget and the deficit are, are very much in focus um you have orion as well mm-hmm. which is the, the capsule is going to take uh humans back towards the moon to the moon around the moon um are we going to do that next year i know nasa oh. says we're, we're on track for 2024
1: we're sure pushing for it I, that, that's our plan um we we had a very successful artemis one mission I don't think it could have gone any better. Um, from a standpoint of, uh, as a t- first test flight for us, uh, I was I was in Denver with our team, and we were in a, a huge gymnasium with every generation, you know, our employees, but they brought their kids, they brought their parents. Um, and the, if you had seen the emotion from just that one, I mean, I know this was all over the United States, but from just that one gymnasium, the kids and everybody cheering when the when the parachutes opened and we splashed down, it was just, it was just an exciting event, right? And you should, but it was also 25 and a half days of making sure that we got yeah. to that point. And so um, very successful mission for us, which gave us great confidence going into this next one that we, that we think we can get there. So pretty, pretty excited about that opportunity. And we, you know NASA just announced the, the crew last week. Uh, so now we know who's going. And puts, really talk about putting a human face on it, it puts a human face when you see the crew members that you know are gonna be flying in your capsule uh, as you go forward.
0: Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, Starlab though, uh, the commercialization of low Earth orbit, uh, space stations, I guess, walk me through those opportunities and and what that's gonna look like in terms of Earth activity Mm -hmm. in the not too distant future.
1: Well, I mean, the the goal obviously is to, to change the dynamic of access to space, right? How can we get people to space that maybe don't have the opportunity to go to space today? And so you gotta have a destination. It's one thing to ride to space and come home in the same flight the other thing is how do we create these destinations they can be done for science they can be done for tourism there's all sorts of opportunities out there if we can again if you're changing the, 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 the equation of how do we get to space so launches change that equation we've got more launch capability than we've probably had in a while so how, again how do you how do you make it more accessible uh, from a lower standpoint so for us the way we, the way we were looking at it at Lockheed Martin is We'll partner with those folks, bring our decades of experience to help them. As they do, the more marketing, the more how do I, how do I go um, create that market, frankly, uh, going forward. So, so we're the kind of the, the backbone, uh, the infrastructure that comes with them to help them get this done.
0: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the Artemis Moonlander, that's what you're partnered with, with Blue Origin yes, and correct. Boeing.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: um, I, I guess expectations around the timing a, a, of that.
1: Yeah, I, I haven't heard lately where, where NASA is, so we're just kind of waiting. We've we've submitted our um, proposal with what Blue has from that standpoint, and uh, we're just waiting at this point.
0: And so we're standing up. You're standing up subsidiaries. You've got this ignite um, situation going on. Also making investments into a number of startups and and mm-hmm. new space companies where do you see the opportunities there and what does that mean in terms of partnerships versus doing stuff internally
1: yes one of our strategies is that that we think we should partner with folks and and the reason is basically speed i have the capability to do just about anything i mean you look at Lockheed Martin we are a very large company lots of capability amazing engineers but sometimes i don't have the time to develop that develop whatever it is so we're looking at, at any number of of entities that are starting up whether they're um, it, it, microchips, lasers, sensors, different things that we would normally do, if they're head office, why not partner with them? And so we have a, a Lockheed Martin Ventures that Chris Moran runs um, and he's, he's got a nice process for going through with $400 million fund that, that we have at the corporate level. And uh, so we in space leverage that as much as we can. And the goal here is not to, I mean, I, I want to help them. I want to help them be successful and I want them to be a partner for me to help me be successful in the missions that I'm trying to get done. So it's, it's uh, I mean, I, I've been to a couple of conferences lately, you uh, know, almost every time I go, there's new booths, new people. You're, where are these, where do they come from?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so it's a chance for, us, for them to help us get our mission done, but also for us to really, really kind of help buoy the industrial base uh, for the country if, if we partner with them from that standpoint. So it's a, to me, it's a huge opportunity um, and, and we've been using it as much as we can on several of our missions that we've been working on.
0: Are there certain types of capabilities that are emerging right now that you look at and you say, wow, I, I wasn't expecting this even just a couple of years ago, but now that it's here, we want to work with this. Yeah, I
1: think, I think in, the, in the AI area, artificial intelligence, okay. um, and machine learning, we're, we're paying attention very closely there because you can imagine we bring down an unbelievable amount of data from space. How do we start looking at that data in a way that we can um, be, be, kind of turn it into intelligence instead of just raw data? And, and there's a lot of companies out there that are looking at that. And we're partnered with several of them already. And so there's there's an opportunity for us to do that. There's also the opportunity in some of the manufacturing areas that we're seeing some people come in with some new ideas. I would call it additive manufacturing, the next gen additive manufacturing, not just, just additive manufacturing, that, that allows us to do things faster as well.
0: Okay, a couple more questions for you. Um, first is Australia's first sovereign military satellite program, we saw a big mm-hmm. award. Largest ever de- defense space contract for that country. Uh, how does it speak to, I guess, the democratization of yeah. access to space and, and and capabilities in space? Yeah,
1: it, it, it's a for for us, it's a great opportunity to take some of our capabilities internationally. Um, I think the 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 opportunity there for us is we have co- connectivity because we build the systems for the U.S. as well, and so that allows the allies to have a, a better interoperability themselves as they look at it. Um, but I do think you're you're seeing more and more nations want a space-based capability. They want their sovereign capability. And so the other part for us is, we've been able to go into those countries and partner with with, sovereign capabilities, indigenous, whatever they have, to actually do part of the work with us. So, So we don't look at it as we're coming in and delivering you something. We're working with them together to help build up their capabilities in their own countries. And we're finding that to be really important for them, but also important for us because, again, we're all in a battle for workforce, we're all in a battle for supply chain, and that just helps us helps us all, frankly, as an overall view.
0: SpaceX's Starship poised for its first orbital launch. How closely are you watching that?
1: Oh, everybody's watching that. I mean, uh, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a great opportunity. It's for, for us to, if, if they're successful or when they're successful, you know, that's gonna change the dynamic of launch. You think about how large that capability is. And so we're looking at how we would leverage that capability for some of the things we're trying to do in the future.
0: United Launch Alliance, a uh, joint venture between Boeing and Lockheed Martin. Spencer reports said it could be uh, on the sale block, but but in general, looking at that, looking at the development of Vulcan, how does that fit into the portfolio and everything you're doing?
1: Yeah, so Vulcan is another great capability that we that, that we leverage constantly. I mean, we leverage Atlas. Think about Atlas and Delta, and we'll be leveraging Delta for I mean Vulcan for our uh, for our future missions as well. The customers are looking at that uh, constantly, and you know that's the way the government buys their buys their vehicles.
0: Great. Um, Lach, just put out earnings. Space mm-hmm. uh, is one of those areas that, that continues to grow. How to think about that, just from an investor standpoint, the growth opportunities around space, given everything we've just talked about?
1: Yeah, I think space is, is we're looking at all sorts of opportunities to grow, right? And, and the way we're looking at it is, we've, we've talked about it internationally. Um, there's domestic opportunity for us, just on the missions that we're already doing to continue those, those missions. And then there's opportunity for us. We, we, we build a lot of things. These are things that we can actually, we believe, sell. Not the whole mission, but the pieces of the mission that we're doing. And, we have, and this, so there's a productization effort we're working on as well, which is part of the reason we're doing some of these prototypes and pathfinders and demonstration missions, is to prove that those things can be offered. So think, of, think about a startup um, that doesn't have the whole infrastructure and the whole ecosystem they need to, to create their system. We've been building these things for six, six decades. And if we can be at, at a good market price, Why not come to us and partner with us, and we'll provide you that capability. So that's another opportunity for us, we think, going forward. All
0: right. Robert Lightfoot, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Morgan. I appreciate Appreciate it. That does it for this episode of Manifest Space. Make sure you never miss a launch by following us wherever you get your podcasts and by watching our coverage on Closing Bell Overtime. I'm Morgan Brennan.